The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk. Amid freezing temperatures in Iowa, Donald Trump made an 11th hour appearance urging his supporters to vote for him in today's caucus. This is some of what he had to say. So if you want to save America from crooked Joe Biden, you must go caucus tomorrow. First step. We're the first step. We gotta do it. We gotta do it big. You gotta get out. You can't sit home. If you're sick as a dog, you say, darling, I gotta make it. Even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it. <laughs> if you're sick, if you're just so sick, you can't darling, I don't think get up. Get up. You get up, you vote. Yes, darling. Ultimately we know who calls the shots, right? Right? Right, Polly? So you be safe at all. You're going to be safe. And again, all indoors. It's going to be all indoors. But you got to get up. You got to vote. Uh, because it has nothing to do with anything but taking our nation back. And that's the biggest thing there is. So arrive no later than 6.30. And as I said earlier, the details are ia.donaldjtrump.com. Well, that was Donald Trump in fine form as he rallied his supporters uh, at the 11th hour in uh, Iowa. Uh, He also has been uh, spreading poisonous vitriol over the weekend about how America is taking in prisoners and drug barons and people with diseases who are infecting the population and so on and so forth. And he's going to deport them all uh, on day one. But that is his usual shtick, I suppose. Uh, To update us on what is likely to happen in Iowa is Terry Sheridan, Managing Editor of WSHU Public Radio. Terry, good morning. Hey, good morning to you, Pat. Now, this uh, caucus idea, it's a rather uh, strange sort of uh, uh, series of events in parish halls and school uh, halls, I suppose, uh, uh, loads of different groupings all across the state. But it's not essentially very democratic, I suppose. No, it, well, it, it's more democratic than it was. But no, it, it, in one way, it's not. And the, and the big thing is because the caucuses, both the Republican and the Democratic caucuses, are run by the individual parties. They're not run by the government, the state government in Iowa. So, for instance, you heard Trump refer to get there at 630. You can't vote until 7 o'clock this evening in Iowa. So, And you have to be in person at a meeting. So you show up to the parish hall, the the civic center, et cetera. There's over 1,600 of them that'll be operating tonight. You go in, you sign up, you register, and you basically have a meeting. You elect a president and you elect a secretary to collect the votes. You do party business, and then you vote for your candidate for president for the uh, GOP nomination. So how do all of these centers then feed into a result? Now, this is kind of pretty much an arcane thing, too. They're literally phoned in. They're announced in public at the meeting. They're checked at the meeting. And then they're phoned into the state um, headquarters, the state Republican headquarters tonight. And then they're reported to the media. So this could happen within two hours. It could happen within three or four hours. Uh, and then a winner is declared. Um, and again, everyone... It's the Iowa then distributes their um, uh, electoral votes for president uh, or their excuse me, because it's not uh, to the party based on on the numbers they get. So Trump may get five and Haley may get three or et cetera. Yeah. Okay. so uh, at each of these centers, does each center then have uh, a 
single vote or do the actual numbers, uh, you know, they so report- many for Trump, so many for DeSantis, so many for Haley, etc., etc., uh, do those actual numbers go forward to the centralised counting centre and you get absolute numbers or is each centre kind of delivering a verdict? You get absolute numbers. They report the votes for each candidate are reported. Again, back in the day, 40 years ago, it would be each center would vote. But now it's the actual numbers that go back to state headquarters. Now, the uh, polls uh, suggest that uh, Trump is going to trounce the opposition. And uh, the, the talking point, I suppose, is DeSantis, if he doesn't come second, is that the end of him? Well, with DeSantis, it could be. I mean, his we know his money has been drying up. We know he's made a big push. He is still leery to attack Trump. He only really started to attack Trump over the weekend in any consistent and forceful way. You know, talking about his lack of uh, focus, you know, his his lack of um, leadership, et cetera, et cetera. But, yes, the latest average of the polls are 52 for Trump. About 18 for Haley, 16 for DeSantis. So right now it's a game of managing expectations. The question of um, DeSantis pulling out, uh, he has to come second to just stay alive. What about Haley? Because um, she is looking better for the, the next event, which is the New Hampshire primary. And then going to South Carolina, she looks better again. Right. She looks better in South Carolina because that's her home state, and she's the former governor of South Carolina. That's coming up in two weeks, the South Carolina primary. Again, it's a matter of expectations. If Trump polls below 50 percent and it gets into the mid-40s, that could actually be, be considered a loss. If Haley comes into a close second, that is that is known to propel the candidate, you know, into New Hampshire, another small state where a victory or a close second in New Hampshire then sets her up nicely for South Carolina. It's a matter of did Trump underperform or did Haley or DeSantis overperform? Now, the the reason they're all hanging on in there now, Chris Christie opted out because he realized he didn't have traction and therefore by staying in, Uh, With whatever little money he had left to spend, he was only taking votes potentially from the others, but particularly Nikki Haley. I mean, it's important, I suppose, from each candidate's point of view that they stick with it because there is always the possibility that Trump will not make it to the final stages because of his legal difficulties. Absolutely. And and again, that would be the question I could see. And this is my opinion. I could see Haley staying in until it becomes mathematically impossible for her to win as all things stand up now. DeSantis is in a different situation. DeSantis is the current governor of Florida. At some point, if he is not the candidate, he will have to make the decision. Or if it doesn't look like he'll be a candidate, he will have to make the decision whether to stay in or withdraw and continue to governor the state, govern the state. Now, the message from Trump, I mean, there's quite a toxic message uh, about uh, deporting uh, people who he claims are drug barons, drug warlords, uh, prisoners, uh, undesirables of various kinds. Uh, there'll be immediate deportations should he um, win the election in November. Um What does that tell us about the people who support this kind of toxicity? I don't know. I think we all know. I I, I think there he... 
Donald Trump is tapping into an angst or an uncertainty and also an anger or perceived anger about what is happening, you know, with immigrants and the language that he has used. And to, to be honest, the language that many Republicans have used for the past 10 years about the quote unquote invasion at the border. And then it goes into if you go back to 2016, even when Donald Trump, you know, he made the, the comment that Mexico sends us their rapists and their and their drug dealers. And this has been the sort of language that has been going on ever since then. And then it just gets heightened up. I mean, the governor of Texas made a claim that Texas state troopers were allowing immigrants to drown in the Rio, Gra uh, Rio Grande River, that they weren't they weren't helping them. It, it's it, it is a, it's a sad situation. It, it just is. Now, what do you make of all of those uh, people who were part of the Trump machine uh, when he was in the White House? And so many of them have said this man is dangerous. There's no way this man should be president. Uh, clearly, they are falling on pretty deaf ears. It appears to be that they're falling on pretty deaf ears. Um, Trump has his loyal circle of people. If you are not in that circle, and I would say it's literally a handful of people, unless you're an opportunist, uh, everyone else who has been through the White House you know, has said he he is not uh, he is not competent. He is he is not he is he's dangerous. He's not a man that you should have in the White House. As far as his followers go, his voters go. Again, it, it, it seems that they are voting out of their anger. They are not voting in their interest, um, but they are voting because they have someone who they feel. And they believe is shaking up and taking on the system and speaking for them. And what about uh, Joe Biden? It looks as if his campaign is going to be about the survival of democracy, uh, the uh, I suppose the integrity of the U.S. Constitution and so on, which is threatened. Uh, he would maintain by Trump. Is that the way this argument is going to shape up? Should Trump be the candidate? I believe so. And I think that's the argument that Joe Biden and his surrogates have started uh, even towards the end of the year. Uh, and it's all based on things that Donald Trump has said, just as you said about, you know, the immigrants coming in, but different other things that Trump has said that he would do if he became president, was reelected president. There would be the Insurrection Act and he would arrest and possibly execute political opponents. He would basically, I don't think he actually used the word dictator, but what he described would basically be a dictatorship in which he would make all the decisions mm -hmm. and basically Congress and the Supreme Court would rubber stamp them. Yeah, I, I saw one of his contributions where he was claiming that the president has got to have immunity. He was saying, well, you know, president's got to make decisions. And if the decision goes badly, well, he could be prosecuted and you couldn't really have that, could you? And of course, exactly. that's the very essence of his difficulties at the moment. Absolutely. And again, in a court hearing last week in federal court where he was seeking uh, absolute immunity from actions that he did as president, the lawyer was asked by one of the judges at the hearing, can a president then murder a political opponent and not be charged? And the answer was, yes, the president could do it. That was Trump's lawyer saying that, representing Donald Trump. Extraordinary times we live in. Terry Sheridan, Managing Editor of WSUG Public Radio. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Terry, for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.